No one can deny that the early church grew rapidly. Luke tells us that after Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, God sent the Holy Spirit. And then those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Not only did the early church grow rapidly, it spread geographically quickly. It spread through Judea, Samaria, the Middle East, through Greece, into Europe, into northern Africa. Uh, No one can deny how quickly it spread. Uh, One of the reasons for its quick spread was God in his wisdom had the Holy Spirit come on the day of Passover uh, when people, or in the day of Pente- Passover, when people were gathered in Jerusalem from all around the world. Then when 3,000 gave their lives to Christ, they went back to their countries where they lived and took Jesus with them and started churches. You don't have to be an historical scholar to recognize that these events were some of the most fascinating things that have ever happened in the world. How could Satan stop what was happening? His first strategy was persecution. He had the apostles put in jail, beaten, and they were told not to speak anymore about Jesus and the resurrection. That didn't work. As people were persecuted, they fled Jerusalem and they took the gospel of Jesus with them. Satan's second Uh, strategy was corruption. He enticed Ananias and Sapphira to make an offer to sell a piece of property and give all the proceeds to the church. Then when they sold it, they did so well, got so much more than they expected, they thought, why don't we keep back some for ourselves and we'll act like we're giving it all. God knew that if he allowed this deception to stand, it would be the beginning of corruption in the church. So he took their lives. When that happened, people said, whoa, this is serious. The Holy Spirit leads the church and he can read our minds. He knows our thoughts. We got to cut the deception. And it drew more people into the church. The third strategy the devil tried was distraction. And we read about that in Acts chapter 6. If you want to open in your Bible... If you want to use our Bibles under the seats, it's on page 1096. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Miracles were happening. People were being healed. People were giving their lives to Christ. They were exciting times. But this was tempered by a complaint. So let's look first at the problem. The Jewish religious establishment made it very difficult for Christians to keep their jobs and find new jobs. So many people were in need. So the daily distribution of food to widows was a big deal. The Hellenistic Jews, who were, uh, uh, had become Christians... Uh, complained that the Hebraic Jews, 
who had become Christians were overlooking their widows in the distribution of food. The Hellenistic Jews spoke Greek, read Greek. Uh, they thought like Greeks. Uh, they tended to migrate to Palestine from places like Rome, Athens, Greece, uh, Antioch, and Alexandria, which was in Egypt. These were the centers of Greek thought. Their, one of their biggest contributions to the world was the writing of the Septuagint. They took the Old Testament scriptures, were written in Hebrew, and translated them into Greek. Now, the reason this is important to us is when the Apostle Paul began taking the gospel to Gentiles, they all spoke Greek. And then they began hearing about all the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah, Jesus, coming, and they wanted to read the Old Testament. But they couldn't read Hebrew. So how could they access it? Well, the Hellenistic Jews had translated it into Greek. The, Hebra the Hebraic Jews, for the most part, had lived in Palestine their entire lives. They were Im immersed in Hebrew culture. To some extent, these two groups uh, still uh, exist in modern-day Israel. Hellenistic Jews tend to come from Europe. Uh, to a smaller extent, they come from the United States. Not that many American Jews have immigrated to Israel. Hebraic Jews have lived in Palestine most of their lives or migrated from uh, the Middle East or Africa. But most Israelis today are second and third generation Israelis, and so this distinction is largely melting away. There's no suggestion that the apostles made a deliberate attempt to overlook uh, the Hellenistic uh, uh, widows. Uh, it was just that they didn't have a system set up. Maybe you grew up in a church and you had a bad experience like this. Uh, so you left the church. Or maybe you did not grow up in the church and all this about Jesus and God is new to you. In either case, you have a bad taste in your mouth, maybe, about God. Maybe a friend got in a car accident, you prayed, friend would live, but they died. Or maybe your mom or dad got cancer, or they got a divorce. You prayed for God to intervene, but He didn't do squat. And you decided at that point that there is no God. Or if there is, you want nothing to do with Him. This could have happened to some in the early church. They didn't feel they were getting their fair share in the food distribution, so they left the church. The problem is that the apostles did not have a good system set up to distribute the food. The devil's plan was for the food ministry to become a distraction and occupy all the apostles' time. The apostles discerned this deeper problem, the administration of food was threatening to occupy all their time and inhibit them from the work Christ had partic uh, particularly called them to do to preach and teach. So now let's look at the solution. Anytime there's a problem, you have to find a solution. Thomas Edison persisted in over 9,000 iterations in trying to discover the electric lamp, light bulb. His associate said to him at one point, 
Why do you keep up with this folly? You failed 9,000 times. Come on. And Edison looked at him incredulously. He said, I've never failed once. I've learned 9,000 ways that don't work. His philosophy of experimentation, mistakes, and correction is the heartbeat of innovation. We have all kinds of problems in our country and in our church looking for solutions. At one point, packages were piling up at Federal Express's hub in Memphis, Tennessee. And no systems could solve the problem. Then one person noticed that the part-time workers were moving slowly, wanting to work more hours. So what would you do if you realized that was your problem to solve? Probably you'd come up with a system of speed standards and, uh, you know, systems for uh, administering it and rewards. But Federal Express did something simpler and more creative. They offered the part-time workers a daily financial guarantee, number of hours. And then they said, if you get done early, you can leave early. The problem was solved in days. The prevailing thinking for years have been for new businesses and new product lines to chip away at their competitors' market advantage by offering goods and services at lower prices. Now, anybody can sell $1 bills for $0.80 for a while. But eventually, you have to figure out how to provide a good and service that's superior to your competitors. The apostles had to find a solution to their problem. So the twelve apostles gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. There's no indication that social work was inferior to the ministry of teaching God's Word or beneath their dignity. It was just a different part of ministry. The apostles needed to make sure they didn't neglect their primary calling of preaching and teaching. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. The one new word here is prayer. This coupling makes sense. If you preach the Word without prayer for the Holy Spirit to water the seed, there won't be much fruit. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. All had Greeks' names chosen particularly to satisfy this group who were complaining. The plan worked. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. 
a large number of Jewish priests became convinced that Jesus was raised from the dead and was their Jewish Messiah. The most important thing for us to look for here is the principle. Why did God see fit fit for Luke to include this account in the book of Acts? What's so important about distribution of food to widows? What is there for us to learn? We learn a very important principle that helps explain why the early church grew so rapidly and changed the world. The principle is that God calls all His people to ministry, and He calls us all to different ministries. And those who are called to prayer and the ministry of the Word are not to neglect that primary responsibility. So here's the takeaway I want you to take today. A church makes a difference when all people see themselves as ministers. It is certainly deliberate that the work of the twelve and the seven use the same Greek word, diakonia, which means ministry. In Acts 6, verse 1 and 4. Now, the the New Testament is written in Greek. And Luke uses the same ministry to describe the work of the 12 apostles and the seven who were going to oversee the distribution of food. When I graduated from seminary, I had an ordination uh, ceremony. It's called an ordination to ministry. When an ordination to ministry ceremony happens without any explanation, it does a disservice to people because the impression is, I graduated from seminary and I'm ordained to ministry and you are to do something less. But that's simply not true. God calls all His people to minister. The purpose of our church is to inspire people. No, I'm sorry, I missed a verse Uh, The Apostle Paul says, All this is from God, who reconciled to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gives every one of us who give our lives to Christ the ministry of reconciliation. He gives us the assignment, the privilege of sharing with other people that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. The purpose of our church is to inspire people to follow Jesus. The way we do that is by making disciples. A disciple is someone who loves God and loves people and has made a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. We make disciples who make disciples. So our task is to make disciples people who see that they are ministers and that they can go out and make disciples of other people in their neighborhoods, among their friends, people they work with, people in their families. You can make a difference in this world. Matt, come on up here. Matt Nichols came to our church uh, three or four years ago, and I've just kind of noticed that he sees himself as a full-time minister for Christ and his family and his work, wherever he goes. Would you share with us maybe a couple ways that God's used you? Definitely. Good morning. It's always good to be here. I have the privilege of working the best job in the world. I work with high school students. I teach high school at a local high school here. And 
Personally, I feel that there's no population that needs the love of Christ more than, than our youth. Now, working in a high school, I have to be very careful. I have to be careful how I share my faith. So there's a little more strategy involved. I'm not real great with strategy, so I leave that to the professional. I spend a lot of time praying on my way to work each day, praying that doors will be opened, that I will see those doors, and I'll be able to walk through. I also learned that I don't have to take a student from step one all the way, walking them through that prayer. My job is just to plant the seed. And if there's other opportunities that come along the way, I pray that I have the strength and wisdom to take advantage of those opportunities. One way that I do that is by building relationships with my students. From day one, I want them to know that I care about them. I care about them beyond the classroom, not just what grade they're getting. And this takes time. So in getting to know my students, I will often ask them, how was your weekend? What plans are you doing? Anything exciting happening? Then after a while, a student will ask, what are you doing this weekend? Or what did you do this weekend? I love that opportunity because I get to, I get to tell them what I did on Sunday. I'm like, oh, this Sunday I taught Sunday school. That usually throws them for a loop. You work with little kids? Yes, yes, I do. So they ask, well, what do you do at Sunday school? Oh, we sing some songs, talk about a story from the Bible. You know, just get to spend some time, take, take them through some activities. And this gets the wheels turning for them. Or, like this week, I had a student ask me, hey, what are you doing this week? Oh, I get to speak at church. You get to speak at church? I said, yeah, I'm really excited about it. So it's through that that they now know, okay, Mr. Nichols goes to church. Mr. Nichols has something. One of the greatest compliments I receive from my students is when some, someone walks up to me and says, you know, I know you go to church, but there's something about you that's different. And I take that as a huge compliment. They can see that I'm different. And that's what I want all my students to see, that Mr. Nichols is different. And every once in a while, I get the question, I get the follow-up. Why are you different? Oh, and just the chills that I get when a student asks, why am I different? And I love throwing it. It's because of my faith. Sometimes students will want to know more. Other times, like, okay, and they move on. But I was reminded of a story this week where a student had walked up to me, and I hadn't seen the student in a year. They came to my classroom, and they asked, Mr. Nichols, I'm heading off to college next year. I don't know the first thing about finding a church. How do I find a church? This is a real exciting opportunity to not only um, have a door open, but to have a role in, in their faith moving forward. So as you go about each day, whether work, neighbors, or interact, just look for those opportunities to plant that seed. Let them know that you go to church. Have that accountability. Hold yourself to a higher standard. But just each and every day, find a way to plant that seed. Thanks, Matt. Uh, when pastors do everything, they do people a disservice. Uh, they actually keep other people from ministering. Uh, the people do not exercise their God-given role since pastors do everything. I like to use this leadership paradigm with uh, pastors, but this actually works not just in churches, but in all businesses. 
uh, there are people that are doers. They do tasks. And uh, then uh, there are some people that become leaders. They oversee a group of people that do tasks and help them become more efficient, uh, get more accomplished. When you have enough leaders, uh, if, the, if the leaders begin to take ownership of the people under the doing tasks, then they become leader of leaders, uh, leading several leaders that are seeing this job of helping uh, people do their tasks. And then when you get enough leader of leaders, you become a resource to leaders. If the key to the early church changing the world was that all people saw themselves as ministers, then you can see that it's advantageous for many of us to move up this ladder so that we're getting more people involved in ministry. Pastors should see themselves more like resources to leaders, uh, coaches, maybe player coaches. Uh, they are to train and develop people to get involved, get in the game of making disciples. Uh, they help people discover their, their gifts and their uh, s- stories so that they can share them with other people. It's easy for churches to become like zoos. Uh, we take these powerful animals out of the jungle and put them in cages. Uh, have you, how many of you have ever seen the movie Madagascar? Just raise your hand, most of you. Uh, it's the story of uh, wild animals in a zoo. And uh, everyone loves these powerful and exotic animals. Everyone's favorite is the lion. Uh, the children go crazy cheering every time the lion roars. Um, most of the animals love this setup. The trainers work with them every day. They provide all their needs. They're comfortable. But the zebra brought my little stuffed zebra today. Uh, since my wife has worked uh, in Kenya for the last uh, 16 years, she uh, has bought a stuffed zebra, a stuffed lion, and a stuffed giraffe. I actually have gotten scared many times walking down the dark hallway past the giraffe that's about six feet tall. So, in the movie, the zebra's name is Martin. And he begins to get restless. He was made not for a cage, but to be in the wild. And his restlessness leads to an escape of many of the animals from the zoo out into the wild. And the movie is hilarious because it's these these zoo animals trying to make it in the wild. They were made to roam free and and to to thrive in that environment. But being in a zoo, they'd lost their ability uh, to, to thrive in the wild. I wonder if you feel like the zebra. Maybe you've been a member of the church for a long time. But you feel like you were made for something more. Uh, You've known the joy of seeing your instincts kick in. uh, When you have the opportunity to help a person come to Christ or grow in Christ. Uh, But now you feel like you're stuck in the zoo. It's comfortable and you feel like you're not doing anything really significant. Uh, We're having a starting point class on December 12th. uh, 12 to 2.30. This is for new people in the church who would like to learn more about the Christian faith and uh, what this church is all about. Um, 
if you uh, like this church and you want to become a member of the church, this class is for you. We ask people that want to join this church to go to the starting point class. Uh, but there's no obligation if you go to the class to uh, become a member. The church makes a difference when all people see themselves as ministers. Do you see yourself as a minister for Christ? You see that one of God's primary purposes for you is to minister to people in your family, at your work, in your neighborhood, among your friends. If you're a parent, one of your highest privileges and responsibilities is to help your child come to Christ. And you would uh, help, you pray with them to, to tell God you believe Jesus is the Son of God. And he was raised from the dead. And you confess your sin and you ask Him to come in. And forgive your sins and become your Lord. And if you've never done that, I invite you to do that as we pray. Father, thank you for this account that Luke shares for us about the distribution of food to widows. It seems like, it's almost like, why is this important enough to be in the Bible? And yet we see it's a very important principle. We see that all of us are given an opportunity to minister different ways according to our gifts and our backgrounds and experiences. And so we want to commit to ministering for you this week. I'd like you to pray right now, and if you'd like to tell God that, that you want to minister this week, like Matt Nichols shared, make a difference with your friends and coworkers and family members. Tell him you're there. You want him to use you this week. And if you've never invited Christ to become Lord of your life, come into your life. You can do that right now as we pray. thank you so much for sending Jesus into the world to die for our sins, to make a way for us to be reconciled to you. And thank you that not only that, but you sent your Holy Spirit to live in all who put their faith in Christ and to help us to become the people you want us to be and to minister in this world. Thank you for that privilege in Jesus' name.